1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at University of Mississippi Medical Center. And I am so glad that you have tuned in to listen to us today. If you're new to Southern Remedy, this is the program where you can call in with any health questions that you might have about yourself or a loved one, or maybe it's a friend. But whatever the question is, we're gonna to try to answer that for you or point you in the right direction of the medical information that you need right on time this morning. The number to call if you would like to call in is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 672 do want to remind everybody that uh, usually we, uh, we have to sort of rush at the end of the hour, so it's always a good thing if you've got that question in mind. Go ahead and give us a call up front. Uh, we'd love to go ahead and uh, uh, try to address everybody who can call in, but we uh, get a little bit of a crunch here, you know, Everybody's a little bit hesitant to be that first caller, but uh wish we could give away a prize for it. We're gonna say uh we're gonna give you the the prize over the airways for being that first caller today. Number to call one eight seven seven MPB ring. But if you can't reach us by phone and you still want to ask a question, you can always send an email to us. The email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. And speaking of, so we have a an email from an avid listener. Uh, This is a 72-year-old woman who says that About four years ago, she, without any conscious direction, she found herself counting things. Uh, Just a little, uh, just a summary here. So basically things like when she was walking, she would count uh, uh, stepping stones or stepping over uh, blocks of concrete. Uh, She would, uh, uh, it became more and more pervasive in her thinking. Putting ice cubes in a glass is something that she counts to, or scoops of sugar transferred to a sugar bowl uh, and so forth. So um, that is, uh, she was concerned about you know, these OCD behaviors, what to do about this, is there medication, um, you know, what's going on. So this does sound like it, it might be uh, obsessive-compulsive behaviors or obsessive-compulsive disorder. So these are disorders of the brain where the brain... Um, thinks things over and over again. And she used the word pervasive. That's a great word to use with this because all of us from time to time, you know, a little bit of obsessive compulsiveness is sort of nice. It keeps you on task. It allows you to complete things. It's only when those repetitive behaviors or thoughts become pervasive, meaning that they interfere with normal activities that you would uh, you would do on a day to day basis. So my suggestion uh, is that you would, uh, you know, if, if you're having that kind of behavior, that you go see a physician. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stigma because of this and uh, and other uh, mental health issues. Uh, but there is a lot of things that can be done, both with medication and with, uh, with um, therapy uh, that can help sort of turn that around. I think one good thing here is that our caller... Uh, our emailer said that they could, if they really concentrated, they could uh, turn those thoughts around. So there may be some things that you can do that way, but you need to see a professional about that, either a psychologist or a psychiatrist um, to sort of investigate that. And it sounds like these are, are not, you know, they, they can be sort of triggered by anxiety. Sometimes they're, uh, they're concomitantly associated with anxiety and they sort of feed off of each other. I mean, if you can imagine if you have these repetitive thoughts and they're pervasive in things that you are normally doing in your work or in your normal day-to-day activities, you can have a lot of anxiety with that. So, my suggestion would be to get some help. It is not necessarily associated with other things. There's always some concerns of things like Asperger's or autism. And uh, certainly uh, with just these uh, symptoms, it doesn't sound like that's what's going on. But um, certainly you'd want to see somebody just to nail it down because there's a lot of different, uh, lot of different mental uh, disorders that could, uh, could pop up this way. So you'd want to make sure you get the right information there. All right. Uh, this is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Hey, what about the flu? We've already seen some flu uh, cases in clinic and in the hospital. Uh, not a whole lot, just sort of a sporadic activity right now. Usually I'll monitor week to week. There's a nice CDC map that sort of shows where flu activity is being diagnosed around the nation and the state. Best thing you can do for that is to get your flu vaccine. A lot of misconceptions over the flu vaccine. I know a couple of people, including myself, have gotten it. I had uh, uh, not necessarily an allergic reaction to it or an adverse reaction, but sort of some similar things that, that a lot of people get with the flu vaccine. A lot of people will say, I got my flu vaccine and then I got the flu. Well, you didn't get the flu. You can't physically get the flu from the flu vaccine because it's a killed virus or an inactivated virus. But uh, what you can get is an immune response for that. That's just the, the immune system making antibodies and making all the things that it would normally do to sort of ramp up production of those antibodies Uh, and because of that, sometimes you'll feel sort of achy. Usually it's not anywhere near the same symptoms that you'd have with the flu. You may even have a mild, uh, fever to 100 or 101 degrees, but that's just your immune system saying, Hey, I hear you. I'm recognizing this flu vaccine and I'm going to ramp up production, uh, so that you don't get the full full blown disease. So my recommendation, get the flu vaccine. It's, uh, you know, it's it's something that can certainly uh, decrease your risk of some nasty complications from the flu. All right, we're going to go to Mason from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Good morning, Mason.
3: Good morning. Uh, I'm 85 years old, and I've <clears throat> found out I've got prostate cancer.
0: <clears throat>
3: and uh, <clears throat> I talked to the doctor, and, and uh, he is uh, recommending the cryo- procedure.
2: Right, the cryoablation. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, he said that at my age he didn't want to do the radical surgery. So I just wanted your opinion on it and uh if you if you don't have any questions, I'll just hang up and let you uh Talk to
2: me over the phone. I'm going over the radio. Sure, Mason. I'll, I can do that. So prostate cancer is very common. As we get older, uh, You know, of course, men, the prostate enlarges in size. Um, it is a very slow-growing tumor uh, in most people. So even if you're diagnosed with it, there are a lot of different options that other cancers don't necessarily have. And there's different ways to treat it. If it's confined to the prostate gland itself, then surgery is almost always at least some part of a component of that uh, that's offered. And there's a couple of different ways to do it. A radical prostatectomy is sort of the old surgery where urologists would go in and sort of shell out the prostate gland. There were a lot of complications with this, and they would tell you about that both today and in the past, but uh, you can have a lot of blood loss. You can have a lot of damage to the nerves in the area. Uh, It's just an area that's busy with a lot of structures, so it's sort of hard not to damage things, Uh, but it does get the gland out. It gets the cancer out. Now, some of the uh, other techniques now, like cryoablation, go in and very precisely try to freeze that tissue and kill the tissue that is cancerous within the gland, and it decreases your risk potentially of having those side effects of uh, nerve damage or some of the other side effects that you would have. So I I would say consider it, Mason. Uh, It is certainly going to reduce that kind of risk, and age does play into it. Um, and and risk goes up for different things as we age. So uh, it sounds like your physician was taking that into account. Uh, but the, if you're if you're ever down to sort of a quandary between two things like that, it's always a good thing. At least for me, maybe this is my OCDness uh, is to put things down on paper. So. Have two columns or however many, you know, however many different choices you have of treatment and have a column for each one of them and just put risk out beside one of them uh, and on, you know, beside both those columns and then benefits. And just put those things down and just ask and write it down, take it home, discuss it with people, ask your physician, hey, can I talk to another patient that maybe has had this done or several patients and just see if you can uh, touch base with them, uh, ask around Uh, to try to get as many uh, different opinions as you can before you make that decision. But as I said, prostate cancer is one. You need to do something about it uh, most of the time. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's uh, treatable in other ways. But asking about those risks and benefits are probably the best thing. But it sounds like, Mason, he's leading you down a course that's probably spot on about that. All right, this is uh, Southern Remedy. The number to call uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments about your health is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven 672 We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got Mitzi and Donna on the line and plenty of time for you to call in.
1: is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. And Here to answer your questions about anything that's related to your health. Maybe it's a new medication you've been put on. Maybe it's a new diagnosis. Uh, Maybe like Mason, who was our first caller. I should have congratulated him online for uh, being an early caller in the program. Uh, But um, whatever the reason is that you would like to call, then... um, just uh give us a call at one eight seven seven m p b ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four all right I think we lost one caller, but we're gonna go to Donna instantly if um if you do get dropped on the program, just call us back and we'll try to connect you back in Sometimes we do drop calls for one reason or another. It's just like uh being on your cell phone with a drop call every once in a while. All right, Donna from Mobile Good morning Donna Good morning, thanks for calling.
0: Thanks. Um, I'm having some muscle spasms and just wondering, yeah, maybe where they're coming from. I, I was thinking maybe it's a side effect from some uh, Cymbalta.
2: I'm not aware that Cymbalta, I haven't seen that a lot. I use Cymbalta a fair amount in patients. Uh, now, although you can have, you know, muscle spasms from a number of medications. Can I ask, let me ask you a couple of questions. So are the are the spasms located in just one place, or are they sort of all over?
4: They're all over.
2: Okay. And do they occur at a different time, like is it later in the day or at night, or do they just sort of occur all the time?
0: When they first started, they were mainly at night. Sometimes they would wake me up. It it was that feeling like you get when you first fall asleep and your whole body jerks. Right. It started kind of like that. And then I noticed that... Um. It was happening all the time, but not as severely. Gotcha. And I never notice it when I'm active. I only notice it like when I'm sitting on the couch or laying down or, or resting in some kind of way.
2: Does it feel like if you uh that you if you keep well, you sorta of said that, if you keep moving that the that the um that they go away or at least they ease up?
0: Well, out of the three months that I've had it, I only noticed it one time when I was actually walking. Gotcha. Every other time it's been in a, you know, a resting situation.
2: Yeah. So there are a couple of things that can cause that. Everybody sort of jumps to one or two things like low potassium or other electrolyte uh, abnormalities. Magnesium is another one. Usually those will cause muscle cramping and not, uh, you know, not sort of the the jumpiness in the muscles like that. Um, But you can have that, but that's a rarer case unless you've, you know, taken a medication that's doing that. I would, it sounds almost like this may be something that's akin to restless leg syndrome, uh, which does occur if you're at rest or at night more so than during when you're active. Uh, a lot of people will say i just get up and start moving of course that you know is that sort of invades that sleep time when they're doing that and it's very annoying uh, and and uh, painful to uh, to sort of deal with there are a couple I of minutes
0: no pain there is no pain so it's just
2: it. a it's just the twitching
0: it's just yeah it's just a jump now look it's not just in my legs I get it in my shoulder okay. i've had it from my toes to my neck
2: so here's what I would suggest Donna. It does sound like this might be a uh neurologic um concern. I would if you haven't already I would see a neurologist about this. It does sound a little bit like restless leg syndrome although you're having it in other places. Um, but they probably need to do some lab work to look at your electrolytes, make sure your kidney function looks okay, and then go from there with some further testing. Um, the connection of the nerves sometimes to the muscles can be a problem too, so they may want to look at that with a couple of different tests. But if it's it sounds like it's uh, pretty much an everyday thing,
0: yes,
5: yes, yeah,
2: yeah, you need to you need to see a neurologist about that. There's a couple of different uh, conditions that are very treatable. Uh, for the most part, with medications that could uh that that you could be having,
0: okay, okay, well, thanks for the information I'll go forward with all your all that you told me thank you
2: uh, all right, Donna thanks for asking uh so yeah that's a that's a t- the the um you know restless leg syndrome is one that just paralyzes a lot of people uh not literally paralyzes, but it really just affects a lot of the things that they do. Uh, and there's a couple of other neurologic conditions that are, that are sort of similar to that, that you can uh, you can treat pretty successfully uh, with medications, but you need a correct diagnosis first. All right, let's go to Kay in Memphis. Good morning, Kay.
5: Good morning. I'm glad you said Kay, because I've, it's been so long since I talked to you, I forgot that I used Kay as an abbreviation to my name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kay. What's going on with you today?
5: Well, at first, I want to tell you I successfully got through my ninth birthday.
2: Happy birthday, Kay. We are so glad and uh, want to wish you a, a a happy birthday.
5: Well, thank you. And then on top of that, I'm going to tell you I, I got myself to the emergency room yesterday. Uh-oh. And this is sort of, well, it wasn't anything critical. But I am uh, somewhat confused my The doctor there, I tell you, I think I'm glad she's not my doctor, but I didn't say that, Now You didn't hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, for one thing, she says she tells her patients to take their blood pressure one time, and that's it for the day. Well, I can't. I thought, Lord God, anyway, <laughs> uh, because I don't agree with that. With my blood pressure, you know, fluctuating somewhat. And then, the, but the reason I went was because my blood pressure was just going down and down and down and down. And it got down to 70 something over 30. Anyway, really low. Yeah. So I got myself to the emergency room. But she said, she, ta- I want to get your opinion. She says that she, well, first of all, she tells her patients to take the blood pressure once a day, put it up, that's it. Well, I don't agree with that. But the other was, I want to ask you about the fluid intake uh-huh. because she says she wants me to drink six glasses of water, not iced tea, not anything, just water a day. Isn't that? I drink um, iced tea and uh, decaf co- co- uh, coffee. That the tea is is not decaf, but my coffee is. I don't drink soft drinks or anything of that sort. I may occasionally, if somebody comes by and brings me a beer, I'll sit and have a beer <clears> with them. But that's it. What, what is your opinion about the amount of fluid that uh, I should take in?
2: Yeah, Kay, it's it's a common thing as you get older and uh, that if you do have high blood pressure, sometimes the body's mechanisms of maintaining a, a, a blood volume, the amount of blood that's inside the blood vessels and a fluid volume, it gets impaired a little bit just like other systems in the body uh, you know as we get older but uh, it is, if you don't have other problems like heart failure or kidney failure or anything like that it probably is a good idea in the setting of having a lower blood pressure um, to um, to to drink adequate amounts of water like that so I think that's probably a good idea. Now, water versus tea or Coke. I think it's probably any kind of fluid would be fine as long as you're not uh, you're not ingesting excessive amounts of caffeine. Because um, yeah. caffeine, you know, caffeine's a it's a diuretic, so it'll it'll cause you to uh, to lose a little bit of water. But yeah. that that doesn't sound overly excessive. And basically, what you're doing is you're trying to give your body enough water to hold. That blood pressure up a little bit more.
5: Yeah, well, I'm having no problem with my blood pressure. In fact, I uh, I start to say re up. You can you can tell I was in the military, can't you? <laughs> I say re up. Well,
2: well, Kay, you know it's it's not just when we say blood pressure. I mean low and high. So it, yeah, and you yeah, can run yeah, into well, yeah, many well, more was, problems with it being low than high. So yeah, it's
5: well, what I was going to say was. I did get a refill on my, my uh, amlodipine and I looked and it, I, it it was a 4 month old so in 4 months I had used 27 so that's <laughs> I, maybe Maybe twice a week, I will take something. But my blood pressure really behaves itself pretty well. So, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, and you do have to be careful with that amlodipine because it's not a short-acting medication; it's very long-acting. So you want yes, to sort of get on a schedule that's that's pretty steady. You know, that's that's one one thing that I would say. But uh, Kay, I, it sounds like you're doing pretty well though for eighty nine, and hats off to you. I know we've talked before. I know you got a good eating schedule, and certainly oh, yeah. uh, certainly taking good care of yourself.
5: Yeah, I'm trying to get in my exercise because if it needs to be done around here, I do it except for mowing my yard. I do let somebody mow my yard. Well, that's that's somebody probably... Say, Mama, that's, I'll tell you what the people around here say. I've had young guys stop me when I was out in the yard and say, well, Mama Jordan... I know you're getting up in years, but you still know how to kick ass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, so that, that's that's their
5: opinion of me. I, I guess still, I may be getting old, but I still take care of stuff.
2: That's so good. Like- well, Kay, you take care, and thanks for calling as always. Okay. All right. All thank right. Bye bye bye. Always good to talk to Kay, and a happy birthday to her. And uh, certainly doing something right to uh, to make it to eighty nine. All right, we're going to go to Susan from Brookhaven, who's been patiently waiting. Good morning, Susan.
4: Uh, good morning, love, your show. Thank you. I um, want to give you a little background before I lead up to the question. As a child, I had chicken pox, and uh, when the first vaccine came out, I had it. About three years later, I actually developed shingles and was recommended by my doctor here to take the um, Shingre, uh schedule of two vaccinations. I had the first one in July in the white right upper arm. It, it was Sore, but you know, just like a tetanus shot, sore. I had the big second in the series done in the upper left arm Monday, and it is so sore. It wakes me up at night when I roll over, and it's around four inches all the way around the injection site, is raised, hot to the touch, and red. Now, is that is that normal or is this something I should be concerned about?
2: It, yeah, you can have that. It's called a local reaction. Uh, it's not a regional reaction, but right around the site of injection. Um, it, again, this is sort of the body's way of saying, hey, I've received that loud and clear. Uh, and it's mounting up a little bit of, a, of an, a, an immune reaction to it at the site. Some people might even get what looks like a couple of bumps of chickenpox at that site, and mm-hmm. um, it's not you know anything to worry about necessarily, but uh, you just had a, a, a local reaction to that. It's not an allergic reaction. It's just the body's way of saying, hey, I'm dealing with this. But, well, uh, it, was
4: very, it was very strange because I ride, I'm 74, but I ride on the road, ride my bike, anywhere from 20 to 40 miles. And I only did 10 miles this morning because every bump I hurt hit, this thing was screaming. And I was yep. like, Lord, hey, it's, put, it's normal.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you, so that was, when did you get that one again? Monday. Monday, yeah. If it's still hurting, a lot of times what I'll say is put a, you know, put a compress, a warm compress on it, and that'll help that to go down. Um but, yeah, it can do that. And you could sometimes it's real rare, but you can get uh, little infections at the site of injection. But this doesn't sound necessarily like that because um, usually those will persist, you know, more than about a week. Um, okay. But uh, if, it, if it starts to get really hot there or if it's draining, then you probably want to see a physician. They may want to put you on a, a round of antibiotics. But anytime we have anything that breaks the skin, you, there's a small chance of infection there. Um, occasionally you can see that. But this sounds like a local reaction to me.
4: Okay, thank you so very much.
2: You're welcome, and thanks for calling.
4: Okay, bye-bye.
2: We got some great examples from callers today of being active as you get older. Man, that's a lot of mileage on the bike there. That's a good physical activity, and certainly that combined with uh, – Good, well-rounded diet uh, is going to keep you healthy or at least contribute to it. All right, we're going to go to John from Daphne, all the way down to Daphne, Alabama. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning, Doctor. Um, Dr. Stewart, I heard your call from Kay, who's 89 and in good health, and uh, she called about her blood pressure, sudden blood pressure drop, and um, I knew somebody who had that condition, which... um, probably, I think, led to his death. He was rather like Kay, uh, physically fit, more or less, and very durable. But um, one day, he presented uh, symptoms of what may have been a stroke and went to the emergency room. And um, I met him there, and he was uh, lucid. They were giving him fluids um and so forth, but what ended up happening was um, his blood pressure dropped. It was the second time this had happened, and i won 't go into uh, the whole story of how this uh, came about, but apparently they didn't have any record that a drop in blood pressure like this had happened to him before, and it was very dramatic he He went across the bay into the university Medical center and uh, you know his his problem. Uh, the problem that sent him there was a sudden drop in blood pressure that I had to bring to the attention of the uh, the doctor, and the doctor goes ballistic and calls for an ambulance. Anyway, uh, long story short, Kay needs to make sure, in my opinion, that she has that incident recorded on medical records in case she goes to the hospital again, um, because if it's ignored, um, you know, hospitals and surgery rooms are very busy places. They may be, have him waiting out of sight, connected to machines and everything, and his blood pressure, uh, you know, her blood pressure may trickle down until it becomes a serious problem. In Pete's case, it became a serious problem, and I think it led to a condition that he never recovered from.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, John. And, um, you know, asking about I, i'm very you know hypertension is sort of one of my areas of interest and in treating so much hypertension and with so many people on high blood pressure medication sometimes we forget that low blood pressure can be just as devastating just because you're not you're not perfusing the brain you're not perfusing the heart kidneys all kinds of different things there's a myriad of things that can cause that and it's fairly common to see that as an isolated event. I think you bring up some very good points about when it's more than one time and and it doesn't quite fit with the clinical situation. In other words, somebody's outside, maybe they got dehydrated, didn't drink enough fluids, uh, then, uh, you know, those kinds of things sort of fit. But if they don't, and uh, you need to sort of start thinking out of the box about why does the blood pressure go down? Is it a problem with the carotid body uh, uh, sensors in the neck that help to regulate what it was yeah yeah and those can get damaged over time just from atherosclerotic changes and other changes as we get older so there is some specialized testing usually a cardiologist does that uh, to try to discern if that's what's going on it is very difficult to treat and sometimes you do have to back off those high blood pressure medications or combine a blood pressure medication uh, used to treat high blood pressure with a medication that actually increases the blood volume beyond just drinking plenty of water. So uh, it's a a reflexive uh, sympathetic uh, dystrophy is another one where you can, after a a stroke or other neurologic problems, you can uh, have some problems with that. So good points, John. I think that's that's a good one. I, you know, I tell patients, too, you certainly want somebody to put it on the medical record. It can get buried in that medical record, though, if it's just the first time. Uh-huh. So having the patient and, you know, the family say uh, to somebody when they say, does you have any medical problems, they need to bring that up. And, I, you know, I tell families and patients, you are your own best advocate, and you know yourself well, so anything that's out of the ordinary or happens uh, more than once, or twice and it has legitimate reasons for happening. Those are the kind of things you need to tell your physician or whoever you're seeing.
3: All right. Okay. Thank you very much, then.
2: All right, John, thank you for calling. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we got three people on the phone lines that we're gonna to go to. This is Southern Remedy. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, and a lot of good questions from callers, and we're going to go right back into those. And we've got to see here who's up next. We've got Tony from Monticello. Good morning, Tony.
3: Hey, Dr. Jimmy. Um, first of all, thank you for your show. It's a great service that you do. Thank you. That you all do. Um, I'm 59 and a half years old. I'm in pretty good shape. A little overweight. Um. But I, I'm beginning to experience a little bit
2: of numbness in my uh, feet and hands. Uh, my second and third toe on the right foot, I can't really compare the left foot. I had a uh, knee replacement four years ago, and, and there was some nerve damage. The knee's great, but, but there's a lot of nerve damage that is, that's different. And, but also in my hands, like the middle two fingers, on each hand, occasionally have some numbness. It's always kind of there in my right foot. Is this something I should be concerned about? You probably need to let so you let your physician know about it. There's a couple of common things that could do that. If it's both the upper extremities and the lower extremities and it's a distal uh, neuropathy or a distal, you know, either numbness or tingling, uh, there's a couple of different things that could cause that. Sometimes they're an early warning sign for different things like diabetes, although it's not not as common. Usually you have to have diabetes for a while and then you get something like that. But we call that sort of a stocking glove distribution. The classic finding, which is rare if you've got a good nutritional intake, is vitamin B12 deficiency. There are some some rare conditions where you might not be absorbing it, even if you're getting enough vitamin B12. Pretty easy to test for that. It's just a blood test. There's a couple of other things that they may want to test for, too. Um... You know, you didn't say any medications. There's a couple of medications that can cause the the same kind of distribution of some numbness, but... Uh, that's pretty rare too, but I I would have somebody just to check it out. Now you can have a situation where you don't know, and, uh, there's not much you can do about that. There are some neurologists, uh, that are specialized in this area that they have sort of a concoction of, uh, of vitamins and minerals that they would have you to take. Uh, but that's sort of experimental. There are some, if it was tingling, there are some medications you can take. Numbness, there's not much that, that might can make that better, but, I would just start off with your routine, you know, with your your regular physician that you're seeing, and then go from there. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Let's go to June. Good morning, June. Thank you for calling. are you? Good morning,
0: Dr. Jimmy. Yes, sir. I'm
2: here. Good. What's going on this morning? Well, I'm 5'5",
0: 140 pounds. I exercise regularly. I have Meniere's disease, and I take a blood pressure pill for that. But due to my good health and exercise, my blood pressure was normal before I had to start taking the BP pill. And now my blood pressure stays low, like 90 over 50, all the time. And I'm afraid to change the blood pressure amount of medication because when I get an attack from the Meniere's, it's debilitating. Yeah. So is 90 over 50 enough? Because I just heard you say about feeding the brain and feeding the, you know, the blood
2: vessels. Yeah, usually you're going to know it. Uh, When your blood pressure, you know, people, that's a common question, like how low is too low on blood pressure? Well, you're going to know it because usually you're going to get a little dizzy or lightheaded. Now, a lot of people, when we get older, I get this, I'm not even on a blood pressure medication. If I jump up real quick after sitting for, say, 30 minutes or an hour, uh, you know, blood pools in your legs, it goes away from your brain, you may feel a couple of seconds of little wooziness or dizziness or even um, sort of what we call presyncope, sort of everything gets a little black. But if that's happening all the time with a blood pressure of 90 over 50, that's too low. Um, but there's plenty of people walking around with blood pressures of 90 over 50 and they're fine. Um, the symptoms are really the thing that dictate it more than a number. There's not really a a one number where we say, okay, less than this, it's absolutely way too low. Um, In fact, you know, in in young adults, you can even have it lower than that, and uh, they can be walking around just fine, sort of like pulse rates can do that too. It is common that a lot of blood pressure medications are used to treat other things other than hypertension and it may lower the blood pressure at the same time that it's helping to treat everything else. So, June, my advice would be if it's working for the maneers and you're not having any dizziness or lightheadedness, then I would just stay on it and don't worry about that blood pressure and just rock on.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Because I am 60, and I've been doing this for about 10 years now, and it, it seems to be okay, but it seems as I get older, I do seem to get a little more
2: lightheaded like you said yeah and and, and the reason for that is that the blood vessels get a little bit stiffer the older you get so there it, it it may come a point where you do get those increased symptoms and you just need to let your physician know and they may have to either back off the dose of that medication or change to something different
0: okay thank you so much thank you for being on
2: the radio oh you're welcome and thanks for calling this is Southern Remedy. The number to call if you would like to call us this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Let's go to West from Hattiesburg. Morning, West.
6: Hey, morning. How's it going? Good. Uh, so i got a kind of kind of question here. I'm uh, 31. About a year ago, woke up real bad throat pain, uh, kind of after a series of going back and forth different doctors, specialists. You've seen a... Uh, so an ENT, a GI specialist, had an endoscopy done, eventually got diagnosed of uh, silent acid reflux, which I'd never really heard about before. Um, recommended I go on some, you know, acid reducing medicine. I still have a number of other kind of GI symptoms. I guess my question to you is, besides just taking medication to reduce stomach acid forever, you know, I'm already, you know, pretty thin. Uh, stay pretty active, cut out a lot of things that they say are trigger foods, uh, trying to figure out really other options I have, or if it is something that maybe just kind of resolves on its own eventually.
2: Yeah, that's so silent reflux is like one end of the spectrum. So if you think about reflux, you've got run-of-the-mill reflux, which almost everybody gets. You eat some food you that's a little spicy or has a lot of acid in it, and um, uh, maybe you've gained a a few pounds over the holidays and you get that that uh burning uh with the with belching and it uh so even a bitter taste in the back of your throat so that that's sort of common now the silent reflux not doesn't necessarily go along with those so Uh, And usually those kinds of things happen when you're lying down at night. Um, Mm -hmm. So you get that the, the, the tube, the esophagus that connects the bottom of the throat to the stomach, the lower esophageal sphincter, which is a wrap of muscle that helps to prevent those gastric contents and all that acid coming back up into your esophagus. Sometimes that's looser in a number of people. Or the pressure in the abdomen is pushing up for one reason or another, and usually that's obesity. But uh, in your case, West, I, I, I think probably you're doing about all you can do right now. Um, the biggest danger with that over time is that it irritates and it changes the cells that line the lower part of the esophagus, that over time some individuals will put them at risk for for that being cancerous. And if that's a concern, usually of your gastroenterologist, they'll do surveillance of that, and that's pretty easy to do. And it's, it's you know, it's a great thing to try to just keep an eye on it. But I, you're already, you don't have, you know, weight loss if you're overweight can help just because, again, that's sort of pushing, that's increasing the pressure on the stomach and causing things to reflux. Uh, certain foods, almost everybody knows what their triggers are. So if you change those, you've already done that and taken the medication. Now, long-term, the medication has been associated with a couple of different long-term side effects like decreased uh, calcium absorption and osteoporosis in some cases. But if you're having problems with it and it's causing that, uh, I think it's probably safe to go ahead and take probably the lowest dose that you need to take of the of the, uh uh, you're probably on what's called a proton pump inhibitor, so that's right. the things that end in OLE, like omeprazole mm-hmm. and uh, and others like that, uh, pentoprazole. So um, I think right now that's probably all that you need to do. Now, if it was really severe, a lot of people will have what's called a nissen fundoplasty, which is a wrap of, of stomach and tissue around the lower part of that uh, esophagus. But you, if it's just silent... Um, reflux i wouldn't do that at all i mean i think i would just stick with the medication and just take that
6: well i know that when they did an endoscopy uh they did find a a three centimeter hiatal hernia so i know that can probably uh contribute to it especially like you said with the uh the sphincter in the esophagus yeah um and And that's kind of primarily where i feel everything is in my throat Is either post nasal drip in the morning sometimes when i eat it feels like food kind of takes a while to go through my throat yeah um, so I don't know if that that hiatal hernia is something that
2: can be done about. It, it can be fixed too. So the, uh, a hernia is just an, a uh, it's an abnormal hole, if you want to think of it that way. So it, it's a looseness of where that esophagus goes into in, goes through the diaphragm. Uh, and it, it, most of the time you're born with that. It can get bigger with time. So if your symptoms, if they, if they become worse over time, they, that's something that they could potentially, uh, you know, potentially correct surgically. But again, if it's control with what you're doing right now, I, I think I would just stick with that. Okay. All, All right. right. Well-
6: thanks a bunch, I appreciate it sure,
2: and you know it may you did ask if it could go away and some people it does uh, and and really that those are the people that have a little bit of symptoms they change some things they take the medication for three to six months, and a good many people will be able to come off of it and not have any problems so that might be might be you too West. All right, thank you for calling. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to Mary and Quitman, and got plenty of time to squeeze a couple of more calls in. If you want to call this morning, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and a lot of good questions all across the board, which is what we like to hear. I mean, there's a lot of things that touch on what people are dealing with, and you may think that your problem is just your problem that you're dealing with right now or your question's unique to you. I bet it's not. That's one of the reasons why we love for people to call in to the program and just share those with us or send it as an email. Do you want to remind you about that you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We do respond to those as quickly as we can. We also uh, try to address those on the air, either on a live program or from time to time. We'll batch those together and uh, pull some that are particularly we think are going to be applicable to our, our bigger audience and we'll go over that. So, got a program plan for that coming up in the next few weeks uh, to months. So, uh, look out for that. I'd like to share all those good things. Uh, with all of our listeners. All right, we're going to go to Mary, who has been patiently wa- waiting from Quitman, Mississippi. Good morning, Mary. Uh,
4: good morning. I would like to know, are there any bad side effects of putting a lot of artificial sweeteners in the body?
2: Yeah, artificial sweeteners have been looked at in a number of trials, and some of them in very, very high amounts uh, in animal studies have caused some, some uh um, either benign tumors or cancers in mainly mice but we're talking about th- a thousand times a day more than what you would normally put in there and yeah you know people have a misconception about cancers there are some substances that cause cancer uh, there's a high degree of cancer causing ability in, uh, in in things you come into contact with or ingest with small amounts sweeteners it's probably not that big a deal what I tell my patients is, look, why are you using artificial sweeteners right now? Is it, and most of them say, you know, I'm trying to cut down on my sugar intake and my calorie intake, and, uh, you know, these are the things that, I, that that's what's working for me. And I say, fine, okay, if that's what you're doing and those are the reasons, that's probably a lower risk than if you were drinking those super sweet sugar drinks. But if you can, it might be beneficial for you to switch over to just water or 100% fruit juice or something like that that's probably going to be at least a little bit better than the super sweetened uh, corn syrupy drinks uh, that we have out there. So there's just not a whole lot of cut and dry evidence that in normal amounts that those sweeteners are going to cause cancer. If it was a lot of evidence, you wouldn't see them on the market because they would be yanked off. Um, but uh you know if you're concerned about it with what you see out there again a lot of those those sort of smaller studies were animal studies and they're not there's not a whole lot of good data in adult, in in uh in humans to to support that does that make sense mary
4: yes it does i was just trying to cut back on a lot of Sugar. That's sure. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the reason why most people do that. And, you know, regardless of which artificial sweetener that you're using, um, yeah, that's a good reason. Um, and uh, if you can sort of even cut back on those, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm just not a big, you know, person on saying don't ever drink that for the rest of your life. Uh, it's going to harm you or kill you. I mean, in reality, moderation, there's a lot to be said about that. So if you can cut back to just plain water that's fine. I know a lot of people don't don't like the the non-taste of water or the way water tastes wherever they get their water from, but um you know there's some there's some things you can put in that again. Those are artificial sweeteners most of the time. And there's a lot of uh, you know stevia is one of those that's out there that's Um, it's, it's a plant-based artificial sweetener that, uh, to my knowledge, that's one of the ones that doesn't have hardly any evidence of anything going, you know, going wrong with doing that. Just a lot of people just don't, you know, everybody has their own taste about, uh, which, which one that they like to, to, uh, about the taste. It's like, and that's my one sweetener that I like. But Stevia is one that's plant-based. Um, a lot of people grow it and then just... You know, they'll they'll use some of the plant extract and what they're what they're drinking. But that one's that one's probably okay.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you, Doctor.
2: Yes, ma'am, and thank you for calling. Yeah, that's uh always one of the balance things out like that. Hey, vaping's still out there. We talk about that uh just to give you a little update. You know, I think uh several weeks ago um we talked a little bit more in depth about it and some of the Evidence about what the lung injury is actually caused from. Uh, early on, there were some studies looking at, at lipid laden macrophages, which is part of the body's uh, immune system to sort of clean up uh, different cells in the lungs. So basically, uh, the the lipid component of some of the oils, particularly the heavier oils, they thought that might be a culprit. Now it's sort of swinging back. Now that we have a lot more cases, and the pathologists are really help, helping us out on trying to figure this out, they are great detectives out there doing some great work. Um, that it seems to be a chemical burn. Um, so it's an actual chemical burn. This is sort of akin to if you breathed in some noxious fumes uh, in the garage or solvents, a lot of those can be aerosolized and it can cause a chemical burn to the lung tissue itself It's not like That lung tissue Is not like the skin We have on our hands It protects us a little bit But there's a lot of things That can cause a burn And that's what they're seeing More and more of It is more related To the vaping That is associated With THC Or marijuana compounds But it it, it looks like It's a chemical burn uh, Which is the, the Most common thing Going on One other thing I want to mention You know Weight loss with diabetes A lot of people Have type 2 diabetes And they're like What can I do To naturally get rid of this Or to to help not to have to take medications and you don't have to lose a lot of weight even if you weigh uh, if you're really overweight or obese Uh, the recent study that looked at uh, as little as 10 percent of your body weight if you lose that then you might be able in the particularly in the early stages to come off of medication so uh, just some encouraging things out there you don't have to lose a lot of weight even a little bit of weight can make a difference Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Kevin Farrell. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on NPB Think Radio.